You're listening to Extra Virgin, a podcast for gourmands who love to travel and travellers who love good food. I'm your host, Natasha Mirosh, an insatiably curious food and travel writer who's toured and tasted her way around more than 60 countries. Join me now as I talk to the people who make traveling and eating such a delicious adventure. Hi and welcome. Thank you, as always, for joining me. Now, podcasting can be a lonely pursuit, so please let me know you're listening. Right now, I'm in my little studio with my pug cross Millie, who has serious attachment issues, snoring away at my feet. To be honest, she's not the most stimulating company. But anyway, please feel free to email me and tell me what you'd like more of at extravirginfoodandtravel at gmail.com. You can comment on the Extra Virgin Food and Travel website, www.extravirginfoodandtravel.com, or just say hi on Insta or Facebook. So, did you happen to catch the recent podcast on buying those one euro houses in Italy? My guest Rubia Daniels bought not one, but three of the houses in the village of Musomele in Sicily. Now, not all of us are up to the challenge of buying and doing up an old house in a foreign country like that. So this podcast is for the lovers of Italy who just want to know more about the country. And we are going again to Sicily. It's the last international trip I took pre-COVID and I absolutely loved it. It was very different to any part of Italy I'd ever been to. My guest today knows all about Sicily. Carmel Ruggeri. She's an Australian-born Sicilian and a former restaurateur in Sydney. And she's also a Sicilian tour guide who takes tours with a really strong food focus, my favourite kind. I met Carmel through Twitter some years ago. We had mutual friends and common interests, such as food. And so when Carmel made a trip to my home city, we met up. We laughed our way through lunch and we've been friends ever since, so I'm thrilled to catch up with her and to introduce one of my favourite Italians to you. Buona giornata, Carmel. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Buongiorno e come stai? Bene, bene. Carmel, I speak a little Italian, but the Sicilian dialect defeats me. Can you give us an idea how Sicilian came to be such a rich and, and varied language and, and quite different from the rest of Italy. Okay, so I would say it would be oh, due to the invasion of the Arabs and the Spaniards and the Greeks, uh, but the Sicilian dialect would definitely be a lot like Arabic almost, mm. because even things like capelli, we say capiddi, mm. or andiamo, we say there's a lot of words, I suppose, that you pick up when you're speaking to someone that's Arabic. It's, it's quite interesting. Things like benzene, like benzina, that's sort of Arabic, they say the same. Mm. Um, the Calabrese and the Sicilian sounds has got that real Arabic influence. But Carmel, you grew up in Sydney, Australia. Tell us why and when your family emigrated to Australia and what it was like growing up Italian in Australia. So Mum and Dad came here in 1963, so they lived in a house with Dad's brothers and their wives and families. So it was pretty, really, really hard for Mum, especially being away from her family and far away. And mm. um, she had a tough time settling into Australia. But we as kids obviously didn't feel it. And, and Mum used to come to school and bring us our sandwiches, our hot sandwiches <laughs> and our panini with sal- salumi and 
back then you'd be called all sorts of names mm. if you had you know this smelly salami panini and now it's like gourmet thing yeah. to have probably I didn't feel it as much as my brother so he would have gone to school in the early 70s whereas I didn't really get the issues that he got and the names that he got called. I see he was born in 63, so Tony would have been in a public school back in the 70s, mm. early 70s. So he got a lot of backlash for his big Vienna panino with salami and prosciutto and the, and the cheeses and got called all sorts of names because there weren't very many Italians in his class, whereas by the time I went to school, there was a lot of, you know, immigrants, so it was a lot different. Mm. What, what And what was it like for your parents? Did they speak... English when they came here and and how difficult was it for them? Yeah, it was pretty hard for them, although I think they were quite lucky because the area that they lived in, like the guy from the fruit shop spoke Italian or the butcher spoke, you know, had there was an Italian butcher. So they migrated to an area of Sydney that there was quite a lot of Italians around. Mm. But obviously still it was difficult, probably more so for mum because dad went to work and spoke English quite fluently very early on in the piece. And obviously he had his brothers to lean on. So that sort of that sort of made his life a little bit easier. Mm. What what part of Sicily did your family come from? My parents come from a little town called Spoliti, which is on the southeast corner. It's in the province of Ragusa. It's a little fishing village, so it's a beautiful little quiet town and it's just a pretty little spot white sandy beaches and a little uh, port and marina with all the fishermen most of people there are all fishermen a few of them are farmers tomato farmers but yeah it's a it's a it's a gorgeous little spot on the southeast corner Mm, i think i was fairly near there i went to the village what is that program that italian detective program called montalbano you went to punta secca punta secca is it near punta secca Sure is next town, so oh. it's not far at all. Okay, yeah, that, that, that whole was, coastline is beautiful. It was beautiful. It was winter when we were there, so it was very deserted. Although there were still a couple of people swimming, but I imagine it gets quite busy in summer, right? Yeah, most of those towns. I mean, even our town, we have like four thousand um, people that population in the winter, and in summer it goes to seventy thousand. Oh my god! So. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a big, big difference. And like they're not like they're coming from all over the world. They're coming from the next town. So mm. their, their town is 13 kilometres away, Vittoria, and they all drive. They all have a home in Vittoria and they all drive to Scoliti for the summer months. As soon as school's out, at about the second week of June, and they stay right there till usually Ferragosto, um, which is about the second week of August, or some people, if they're lucky and they're able to stay till the end of August, they stay till the kids go back to school, which is the first week of September. So you're telling me they live in the next town, which is under 20 kilometres away, and they drive to holiday in your town? Correct. Okay. Is that because you have better beaches where you live? I think, uh, yeah, well, most obviously it's cooler there, so it's a lot really hot in the next town. Uh, big concrete and buildings, towers and oh. apartment blocks and they all go to the seaside town to get some fresh air because it gets really hot in Sicily, We're pretty close to Africa, so we can get 42, 45 degrees in mm. summer months. Mm. So they all, you know, go to the seaside town and obviously that whole south coast is very close to Vittoria, so they you know, usually pick a beach. Most of them, most of the people from Vittoria go to Scoliti. 
probably because they've got family there or some of them have got homes. Most of them have got homes in both towns, which is all some of them just a beach house. Mm. Oh, it sounds idyllic. Do you still have lots of family? Pretty much the whole town. I'm related to the whole town. So my <laughs> my grandfather, you know, had 11 brothers and sisters. So And all of mum's family, all her cousins, they're all there, all my dad's cousins. I am pretty much related by first cousin, second cousin or third cousin to absolutely everybody in that town one way or another. (laughs) (laughs) So no dating anybody from that town? No way. (laughs) (laughs) Where When did you start to make regular trips back to Sicily? Was it something you always did as a child? Yes, we went as kids, like when we were little, like three, five and seven. And then again, when we were 12 and then probably there was a gap when we started going to high school. And then I started going again in my 20s and just every couple of years I'd go on holiday with the family and with my partner. So it was one of those things instead of going to the central coast for for our, our holidays, summer holidays, a lot of people in Sydney head to Nelson Bay, I'd head to Sicily. (laughs) And what about, how does your family in Sicily regard you? Do they think, I mean, you were born in Australia, right? Do they think of you as Australian or Italian? And are there any kind of behaviours or mannerisms that they find odd? And what about you? What do you feel? Do you feel Italian or Australian? There's lots of questions Uh, in one, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Now, look, I definitely say I would feel Italian, I think they see me as an Italian because I, of the way I behave and my love for Italy, my love for Sicily. I think they find it hilarious that I'll see this broken down old sandstone shack and I, I'm in love with it and go, oh, I'm in awe of it. And all they want to do is knock it down. And they just, they don't see the beauty in it like I do. So that, I think that is always quite funny when I see an old relic and just go, oh my gosh, look at that, how beautiful is that? And they just shake their heads at me. (laughs) Uh, What about your language skills? I think my Italian has improved immensely over the years because obviously uh, practicing and I listen to songs and I sing songs because uh, when you're singing songs, you actually hear words in there that you wouldn't normally use in everyday language. And so you learn actually quite a lot as well. And I think just going back year after year and practicing, the thing is, depends on who I'm speaking with. Sometimes I speak the dialect mm. and then I'll speak Italian and every now and then I throw an English word in. Mm. And if I'm talking on tour, then I'm thinking in English or I'm thinking in Italian, delivering in English. Like sometimes I, I can't even find the right word in English. <laughs> it's really, really funny actually. And then when I come back home, I'm just like totally confused. Like it, <laughs> it, it's all a mix up. But I, when I'm traveling through Italy, people look at me and sort of say, oh, where are you from? Like they can't really pick it. Mm. They, they know I'm from the south or they're not really sure where I'm from. Mm. When I went to Sicily um, in late 2019, I we were flying from London and we got on this flight with lots of Sicilians who were, who were going back. I think it was All Saints Day. They were all going back for that celebration yeah. to catch up with relatives, etc. And they were talking among themselves. So I, we were right in the middle, just surrounded by these Sicilians who all knew each other. And the guy sitting next to me turned to me and he started talking to me and we spoke in Italian a little bit. And I said to him, I can't understand anything any of you are saying around me. And he said to me, oh, it's not just Sicilian, it's the dialect from our village and we can all understand each other. But 
people in other parts of Sicily might not even be able to understand us. Is it really that regional? Yep, 100%. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So it's not just an accent then, it's actually a different dialect in different villages. Yeah, definitely. If you go to a, a friend of mine comes from a place called Sant'Angelo Muxaro, which is a provincia Agrigento. So it's right centre, sort of rural Sicily. And they speak like Sicani. It's really, really old, ancient Sicily. And, and there are words I'd have to stop and listen and go, what was that? Like, I, I don't pick up every word. Wow, that's It always sounds calabrese, actually. Mm-hmm. What year did you start taking tours to Sicily? I had a restaurant in 2010 and people kept on asking me about, oh, you should take us to Sicily, which sort of started on as a joke. And and then a lady I know in Brisbane, hello, <laughs> you, <laughs> introduced me to Sally from Taste Trekkers and she actually, she helped me set up my first tour. She said, do it. Why don't you do it? I think you actually had said to me, you should do it in passing. And, and then Sally had said it. And then I had a friend, Gina in Melbourne, who was, a, who is a, she was like avid traveler and she's a famous photographer. And she said, let's do it. Let's do a tour together. Hmm. So we decided, uh, us two Sicilians, we'd uh, take our first tour and we did that in 2013. Wow. And uh, we took 21 people. And I was blowing into a brown paper bag on my first tour and it turned out fantastic. It was a great way to get away from work and I had a job to do over over in Sicily and, yeah, the tours sort of took off from there. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the tours, but it, it sounds like you jumped in totally, as you do, with, with both feet straight away. But, Carmel, having seen a little bit of Sicily, I can confirm that it's utterly unlike any other part of Italy. Can you tell us what you think makes Sicily different? I think it's the like arid landscape and then you've got that greenery in parts of, you've got that really sandy sort of soil in the southeast corner, let's say. Then you go into places like Messina and it's lush and green. Then you go into like the west over near Marsala, sort of inland like Trapani from Salemi. You've got mountainous. It's just so many different sceneries and it just it's so beautiful and then the south coast white long big sandy beaches and the people i don't know look it's a bit i'm a bit biased but i just find them so raw and pure very welcoming and and just very humble people but they love life and enjoy having a good time and no matter how bad things get which has proven over the last couple of years especially they are just those they're just so resilient and, and just amazing human beings. I'm one of them too, remember? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I call myself Sicilian. Uh, <laughs> Resilient. Well, they have gone through a lot and it is known as, as being not a particularly wealthy part of Italy compared to the rest. And, of course, there has been the, the problems with the mafia in the past, which, thank goodness, seem to be pretty much resolved now. Would you agree? Yes, yes, definitely, 100%. I'm sure it exists, but it's not something that has ever affected me or my mm. business when I'm, when I'm over there at all. And while it's, it's not huge an area, there is so much to see and do. We had 10 days and I don't feel like we even scratched the surface. I think going through some of my favourites, you talked about masala before. I really loved going to masala and seeing the salt pans there. It's It's incredible. It's so traditional. I didn't believe that people still harvest sea salt like that with these old kind of windmills and salt pans and the 
the guys out there with wheelbarrows and they've got this leathery skin from working under the sun all the time. That was that was quite extraordinary. And then, of course, the, the beautiful city is just stunning. It's, it's totally unlike anywhere I've ever seen. If you had 10 days, as we did, what would you say are the must-sees in Sicily? We'll talk about what you do on your tour in a bit, but what are the must-sees if you've got 10 days to travel independently in Sicily? Look, I get this a lot from people and I sort of depends on what it is they're looking for, but I try to tell them if you can get a car and go off the beaten track and see places like Ragusa region. So you've got, because all in one area, you've got Modica, Ragusa Ibla, Shikli, Ispica, that whole coastline of like Mazzamemi up into Noto, Ortigia, Siragusa, that area is just so beautiful. Goliti, obviously, where I come from, which is beautiful beachside. And we've got the best restaurants in Sicily. People come from all over the island to come to restaurants in Goliti. We've got our seafood restaurants are phenomenal. And then if you sort of, I tell people, go straight through the middle of the island and head to Palermo City. Palermo is just spectacular. And if you're going to Palermo from there, you can visit Erice, medieval town, and go visit Erice. Then you can go to, from there, San Vito Locapo, which is another beautiful spot near Palermo. To the east of Palermo, you have Castelbuono, famous for their mushrooms, and also Fiasconaro Panettone is in Buono. Right next to that is Cefalu. So they're the sort of spots I recommend for people because if you're in Ragusa, you can do that a whole southeast corner and visit 10 different towns. And if you're in Palermo, you can go to six different amazing towns. Obviously, there's places like Taormina, which you, people want to visit. But for me, I find they're beautiful. It's a beautiful town, but very commercial, very mm. different to what I'm talking about. Mm. Well, that sounds like A, an entire island um, trip, and B, a lot more than 10 <laughs> days. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, I should, honestly, honestly, the where I've told you that that southeast corner, you could do because places like Shikli and Modica and the Ispica, they're all right next to each mm. other. They could do you could do all those in one day. There's no issue there. And then you could do Noto, um, Ortigia, Mazzamemi in another day. It's not. It's been done before. I've done it. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and you talked about driving a car. We're quite experienced. Well, actually, I have to say my husband is quite experienced and quite fearless about driving, but we were a bit nervous about the idea of driving in Sicily because we've heard so many stories. But generally, we found it really, really easy to drive in Sicily. And that's probably the best way to get around, isn't it? Because there's no real comprehensive train service. And I don't know about the buses. But the buses are good. The buses are really good. No problem. I've taken buses plenty of times around but obviously just for the convenience and if you want to go to play go to off the beaten track places you, you're going to have to you need a car and mm. that's the issue yeah driving is difficult i try not to drive in the city of dania or palermo i find those two places difficult especially in peak seasons but really car driving is it's just got to be careful on the highways it's crazy you're driving down a highway suddenly you turn to see if there's a car coming, no car coming, and zoom, three seconds later, there's a car flying at 200. That's the, that's the, that's the problem. You've got to be extra, extra careful when you're, when you're over there compared to here. Mm. 
The other thing you have to be careful about is we found to our detriment having received a ticket six months after we got back <laughs> is making sure that you understand and read the signs that are in particularly in in the small towns with those tiny narrow streets some of them right you only allowed to travel in in certain times some not at all right correct <laughs> yeah the blue stripe and then there's um zones which you're just not allowed to um access at all with your car the pedestrian zones during certain uh-huh. hours and uh blue zones and yeah there's there's a lot of that which you need to understand which Definitely, I probably should do a blog on it. <laughs> I think you should too. What's a blue line or a blue? Just times and hours. So you can only park there at certain times. Mm. So like let's say in my hometown, they close it off at night because obviously it's going to be um, a pedestrian area. Mm. So you, and you can't park there. You can only park there for, you can't park there past 6pm, let's say. So there's just certain hours. But usually the signage, the signs tell you what, what they mean. Mm. And there's usually like parking parking lots, parking areas at the edge of those places, isn't there? So you can, not too far away, so you can walk into the, the old part of town. Correct. Yeah, mm. usually. Calm. I think Sicilian is possibly my favourite food of all of Italy. I just, I love that combination of, of all of the different cultures within it. Can you tell us some of the Sicilian specialities that you must not miss? Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, look, I suppose, obviously, let's start with my region, Ragusa. So we'd, I would say scacce, which is like a folded pizza. We eat it like a pocket. Um, scacce are very famous for Ragusa area. They're called the scaccioni and different things in different areas, but we're famous for those. Arancini, of course, your rice balls, which you can get anywhere in. Or the rest there's... of the world these days. I think, yeah, Sicily's really taken arancini to, to the rest of the world, right? I didn't know that they yes. came from, from Sicily, actually. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely one of our most popular street food, which is like a thick pizza. It's beautiful. It's like a focaccia, but it's got like a topping on it with onion or just tomato bits. It's just like a really home-style pizza. They call it sfinciona. That's beautiful. Also in Palermo, you've got the panelle, panelle, which are chickpea fritters. It's just a a thin base of chickpeas and basically they fry them and they put them inside a roll. (laughs) So that's a famous street food in in more. Obviously, granita brioche, granita with gelato, uh, cannoli, of course, uh, cannoli is king, uh, the king of our desserts. Macale, which are called zuccarati in different places of Italy. So macale, like a donut cylinder, cylinder, and they're filled with ricotta or custard. You know, the macale you get actually where, where you were saying in Putta Secca, uh, Montalbano, they... They make a beautiful macale, really giant ones. They're just mm. amazing to die for. You could probably share one with three people. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're definitely a must-eat when you're in the southeast corner. Mm. So, yeah, definitely all the different regions have have their thing. Yeah, that's probably – and seafood. I mean, of course, you've got the prawns over there, which are very different to our mm. prawns, very, very different to Australian prawns. They're smaller and they're sweeter. So that that's something different – again to the rest of the world and there's small little anchovies they're not sar- they're not sardines they're not tiny little anchovies they're they're just like probably the size of your palm and you just fry them up and people just eat them like whole they're just delicious like sweet as they're beautiful last night i made for dinner spaghetti with trapanese pesto 
because I just had some tomatoes that were at the edge. So I threw them in and, and made some pesto. But I enjoyed that in Sicily and also the tuna because tuna is a speciality as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tuna and swordfish, mainly swordfish. We have a lot of swordfish. And one of the dishes you'll get everywhere you go in Sicily is uh, swordfish with cherry tomatoes and wild mm. and fried uh, breadcrumbs. That's mm. probably one of your most popular dishes that you'll get in any any restaurant in in Sicily. And some of some of these dishes draw influence again from the Arabic culture, don't they? I mean, granita yes. like ice cream came from the Arabs to start with, and then you've got all the dried fruits like the oranges and things like that. That yeah, and if you go to certain parts like of like Messina, the, all the oranges and the citrus areas, like you've got over near. In, Pasta Grigento, there's a beautiful area there where they grow oranges as well and the blood oranges and um, lemons. That whole area is really famous, obviously, for its citrus. Uh, yeah, so like with the Arabic influence, of course, like things like couscous. So San Vito Locapo has a couscous festival every October and that's obviously comes from the Arab influence. And basically with all the seafood there, you um, have couscous and you get like a super, like when you do kotze, which is the mussels, and you have the soup from that and you put it on the actual, they give you a separate bowl and you can pour it on the couscous like to your taste. That's a you know real famous thing they have in San Vito Capo, which is up near uh, it's on the north uh, west corner. Mm. I was very excited when I was staying in Ragusa in a tiny little hotel to go downstairs to breakfast the next morning, and the lady who was serving us asked me how I would like my cannoli for breakfast. Did I want <laughs> did I want with crema, which is like a custard? Or would I like them with ricotta? And then she proceeded to stuff my cannoli freshly with it. Oh, such a, such a great breakfast dish. My God. You feel like you have permission to eat like that in Sicily. And so when you would have been in um, that area in Ragusa, you would have had a ricotta from probably a modicana cow. Mm. And so whereas when you're in Palermo, you'll have sheep's milk ricotta, which is very different again. So it just depends, everybody, on the flavour that you prefer. Let's talk about one thing that I didn't like. (laughs) And strangely (laughs) enough, it was the chocolate. It was the chocolate from Modica. It's a very strange thing. Tell our listeners about the chocolate from Modica because I'd heard so much about it and I was looking forward to it so much and I had some and I put it in my mouth and thought, there's something wrong with this. But that's how it's supposed to be, right? (laughs) It's it's grainy. That's why... People don't like it. A lot of people yeah, aren't used to that taste of that grainy sort of chocolate. It's uh, very different to obviously the way we make chocolate here. Mm. Do you know why? Yeah, I do. Just looking it up. <laughs> Give me a second. I've got it on my list here of uh, the 5,000 pages I have on my notes. <laughs> I, do, I do know this, you know. Yeah, I think I did as well, but I can't remember either. No, it's the cocoa beans mm-hmm. and the way it, the ingredients is never heated above mm. 45 degrees. Mm-hmm. So the sugar crystals sort of remain mm. in the chocolate bar. So that's mm. why you have that granularly mm. sort of, you know, sensation in your mouth, which not many people like. <laughs> Get yeah. used to it if you live there. Let's I talk- hope they don't hear this in Modica. They'll be upset with me. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your tours. I'm not really personally a fan of of group tour travel, but in your pictures, everybody looks like they're having such a great time and so much fun. Who is a typical traveller who comes on your tours? We 
you know, been really lucky because we've had people from 25 to 85 years old and it's a really always a really nice class of people. Most of them are Australians and we get a few Americans and a few people from the UK. We've had a few from South Africa. It's a very weak mix of, mix of people, but definitely people who are foodies and understand good food and love, you know, abundance of food. So I've had one guy that put on five kilos in one week. <laughs> definitely people that appreciate good food mm-hmm. and we're not like the big tours, big companies. We don't, so we, we do things very differently. And to, if you want to go on a walking tour with a, with someone, an archaeologist, you can. Mm-hmm. If you want to go shopping, you can. There's, there's options. We, we do things a little bit differently. But one thing most people always attend is the the lunches and the dinners. Mm. <laughs> they don't want to miss out on any on on any of that. And and the food experiences. But they're the things that they really like. Because obviously we go to my cousin's tomato farm or we mm. go into the back of my cousin's gelato bar and learn how to make gelato. Mm. We go to my dear's house and we teach them how to make bread or we make pasta or we make scotchy with Zia and all my cousins are there. Mm. So we try to really give them an experience rather than just another tour. The churches and the museums, yeah, sure, we can include all that, but we try to make ours definitely the point of difference is by giving them an experience. So all of your family are involved pretty much? Yes, yeah. So I make sure that they. we've always got a couple of them on tour. So people just talk to them. They mm. speak them, to them in Italian. They speak to them in English. No one understands what's going on, but somewhere <laughs> or another they understand each other. <laughs> they just they just get through and they love it because they, they're basically just diving into the full cultural experience and mm. we're screaming and laughing and talking and hands waving everywhere. Uh, they love that. You know, they walk away and they're, and they're crying when they're saying goodbye to my aunt because they feel like they're saying goodbye to their Oh, that's beautiful. Can you tell me is what roughly is a typical itinerary for your tour? So basically with our tours, we either fly into Catania or Palermo, depends on which area of Sicily we're doing. So if we're going uh, doing the Palermo region, they fly into the airport of Palermo, we take them, uh, pick them with a car service and take them to the hotel. And then we each day we visit different areas. We might visit a winery one day, we might visit a, different, a new town one day, we'll do a walking tour of Palermo City. So we basically try to do somewhere different each day. Sometimes they'll have things on uh, really long days and then finish at 8pm and then they've got the night free. So we try to give them as much as we can in seven days, but at the same time, give them free time as well to be able to shop or do things that they love to do. But yeah, it's it, they normally go for about you know six or seven days. I have done 10 day tours, but I think seven days is, is really the ideal number. Mm. What, what have been the favourite things that people have really liked doing? So on my last tour in October 2019, I took the group to my local. So basically it's this, you know, little hole in the wall and they sell cassateddi, which are ricotta-filled ravioli, uh, scacce and arancini. They sell them by the kilo. And they basically just sat outside on the street. We close the street off, as you do, and we put crates out out there on, on and boards um, for the tables and they all sat on a crate and they just – indulged indulged in these beautiful scotch and arancini they were so full and it was like the storm was coming there was a storm coming it was 
gray skies over our head. It was just the absolute perfect scene. And we had the bodyguard on the side. He was directing traffic, telling people to go away. (laughs) (laughs) So it was just like the the absolute best experience. And they loved it. It was in my hometown. It was just something that everyone really enjoyed. The food was amazing. And of course, they get to have a beer as well or a glass Mm. of vino with that. So I think that they absolutely love that. We do. There, there are moments that we have amazing restaurants. There's a place called Ardinia, which is in Salemi, and Salvatore puts on the most amazing feast. Mm. It, it is, to, for me, one of the best restaurants I've ever been to in my life. Wow. You know, and that's a big call. Mm. And, and But it's everything. We're talking everything from bacala to snails to uh, tripe to pasta to every vegetable possible imaginable you know lamb pork beef uh, there's probably about 30 courses we, when we get the first 10 entrees everybody's already full and i'm like well, we're not even halfway through yet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they're, they're, they're probably definitely two standout standout experiences well i can understand why that guest put on five kilos <laughs> Yes, yes. Carmen, you've obviously taken a break from doing the tours during COVID, but you're back in later on this year, I think. Tell us about your plans. So I'm looking at doing an October tour this year and depending on what happens over the next few months, I may launch another little short mini tour in my hometown for June. So, yeah, watch this space. Mm. (laughs) We'll see. But October is definitely on the cards at the moment. Oh, that's so exciting. You must be desperate to get back, right? Yes, I'm counting down. I think I've got 147 days to go. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll put I'm going a, in June no matter what. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll put a link in the show notes on the webpage. But, I mean, it sounds like it is also exhausting. Have you ever had any bad experiences? I mean, it's very difficult dealing with groups that big. Uh, like I suppose sometimes you can get personality issues between people. So, Look, I think because there's enough of us staff-wise that can really accommodate that. So some one of us will turn our attention to that person if you realise, if you think that they sort of might need a little bit more just attention for, for them to just steer them in a different direction or different refocus, change their focus. So mm. I've never had any issues. I've been very, very lucky. Mm. Sometimes you might get someone that isn't very well, they're, they're un, if they're not well, but that's the beauty of having locals there that know somebody no matter where we go so we can get to a doctor if mm. need be pretty quickly. But, yeah, overall I, I've been very, very grateful and very lucky. And I know that you stay a while after your tour group has gone. You probably need a bit of time to recover. What's your favourite thing to do when you're in Sicily and you're not running a tour? I go to a place called Dolcidea. It's my cousin's bar and I just sit there and do nothing. <laughs> I sit and we chat and we have coffee and we have gelato and we have cocktails and I'm in and out of there I, most of the day. I go to the beach, I go to the bar, I have my lunch there, I go home, I have my nap, I go back to the bar, I have my coffee in July, I have my dinner there, and we stay there till, you know, three, four in the morning and chat. Mm. And I really don't do a lot. It's just beach and bar. Mm. So we started off talking about the Sicilian language. Kamal, can you give us a few key phrases in Sicilian that it's worth learning before you head off to Sicily. Okay, I suppose I would say unel bagno. Where's the bathroom? <laughs> Can you repeat that? Unel bagno. Unel bagno. Yeah, where okay. is the bathroom? You have to know amonine. Amonine. What does That's that mean? That's let's go. Okay. That means adliamo in Italian. Yeah, let's go. Mm, wow, so different. Yeah, 
And uh, I suppose another one would be Tessa di Shekko. So if you're upset on the road and someone is cutting you off, you could scream out Tessa di Shekko, which means a donkey's head. <laughs> I don't know that I'd be daring enough to call someone that in Sicily. You might end up with, your, with a donkey, donkey head in your bed. <laughs> <laughs> Shekko is, is a, it's not that bad. There are worse words. <laughs> Well, well, you can tell me a few of those when we finish recording here. But there's also another language in the whole of Italy which consists purely of communicating with the hands. Can you talk us through a couple of the hand signals and is there one in particular that you should never, ever do in Sicily? Um, there's the old one with the thumb on the cheek, which is you know means that you're like a mafio- mafioso. Ooh, Okay. So, yeah, you don't want to be doing that to directing that at anybody because whether or not you think they are or they think you are. So that's just something we just, you know, you wouldn't do. There's obviously the one I think people do with their, on their arm to sort of send, give someone the, a bugger off sort of thing. You know, when you're sort of putting your arm up at them, your, your fingers up at them. Like, so you smack your own arm, you mean? Oh, yeah. okay. So, you're, so you raise your fist while smacking your arm. With yes. your other hand. Yeah, correct. And that means sort of go away, you know, in an impolite uh, way. Yeah, <laughs> very impolite. <laughs> what about the one where you have your pinky finger and your pointer finger up? Oh, gorni. Yeah. Hey, gorni? Yes. That means, so if I'm talking, if I'm saying, oh, wow, how lucky are you, you go, hey, gorni, so you protect yourself. Oh, okay. So Something. that's why we all wear the gorni on our, as a pendant on our, on our necks. Really? Or you, you know, if you buy a new place, somebody will give you give you a corno as a gift and that's just to protect you from evil, oh. like the evil eye in Greek. Okay, so you would see that symbol around Sicily? Yeah, of course. You'll give, we give those to each other. You'll see them on key rings and people have them in their homes. You give them to people as a gift. What, about the, what does the one mean when you kind of swipe under your chin with your hand? It's like, nah. It's like, go away, nah. How do you even say that? How do you explain that? <laughs> it's like, yeah, nah, mano, mano. Like, forget it. Like, forget about it. Okay. What about the one where you sort of pull the corner of your eye down a bit with your finger? It's like, be careful, huh? Yeah, I, I know. I yeah, know something. Be careful. Yeah. Mm, attenta. Keep huh? your eye open. Yeah, senta, senta, attenzione. Okay. That sort of thing. All uh, right. Well, I mean, there's the one that obviously we, when we put all our fingers together, when we're going, hey, well, what, what are you doing? Okay, so you, you, you hold out your hand with all your fingers together but except for your thumb, which is out, yeah. right? And, and you kind of wave no, it no, up. Your, and thumbs as well, your thumb as well. Your thumb, your, your thumb is like obviously with the fingers and closed in and you're sort of going, oh, my care, what's going on here? Okay. So it's like it's like yeah. you're picking up you're picking up a crumb to eat or something. So your fingers are all together. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You're going, oh. Yeah, they would say kefai. Kefai. <laughs> I've left out the the main word there. <laughs> <laughs> the rude word. Amal, when you mentioned about cars, this is quite extraordinary, and I still can't believe it. But we rented a car for seventy euros for ten days, so it was like seven euros a day. Yeah. We had, did you have insurance? Yeah, we did have insurance. Wow. I know. It was go. crazy. You we kept we kept did. waiting to get an extra bill or something, but it was it was off season and Yeah, I was gonna say you went off season, that was that would have been the difference. Yeah. 
And it's a good time yeah. to travel, right? Of what what are the months Absolutely. that you would that you would recommend? If you go in May and June, which is when I travel uh, around with a car just freely and just go and discover places, I, I ring a hotel out the front and say, "Hi, can I make a booking tonight?" And then I yell, "Be there in two minutes." <laughs> so pretty much, you can book anywhere you like. Yeah, um, that's the beauty about it. You don't have to plan. You can just go, you know, and wing it, which yeah. is the way I love to travel. Which is not the same in summer. And one thing that's I, I've always meant to ask Italians. Ferragosto, I know, means like iron August, right? Iron like the metal. Yeah. What is it actually celebrating, or what does it mean? The um, Assumption of Mary. So it's on. It's a. It's a religious uh, festival. Right. That's that's yeah. That's why we have such a big feast for it, and the whole of Italy is closed on that day. And what day is that? Fifteenth of August. Mm-hmm. Okay, so don't go, don't go to Sicily in, or Italy. In fact, don't go to Italy in August would be uh, my recommendation. No, not unless you re, not unless you absolutely love, love, love the um, heat. It's really <laughs> hot in August, like really, really hot. I'm never ever there in um, August. Mm, no, and and of course yeah. you've got to really love um, people to be there in August as well, because that's when yeah. Italians <laughs> traditionally have their holiday, isn't it? Well, it's funny because if you go to places like Rome, Rome will be dead in uh, August mm. because everybody's at the down by the beach somewhere. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it works in some ways. It works well. Mm. But yeah, it is very hot. Come from about twentieth of July to the end of August, it is like really hot. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on Extra Virgin Calm and telling us all about your wonderful Sicily. As usual, in all conversations I have with you, it's been fun and a little bit crazy. Thank you for having me, Bella, and we'll uh, catch up in Sicily with our uh, uh, brioche granita. Oh, definitely next time. Listeners, I'll put details to Carmel's tour, Sicilian food tours, on the website in the show notes for you to check it out. I know a few people who've done it and absolutely loved it. Well, that's it for this episode of Extra Virgin. If you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends. And wherever you are in the world, buon voyaggio and buon appetito. You've been listening to Extra Virgin, a podcast for the Epicurious. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can follow Extra Virgin Food and Travel on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. If you haven't already, go to Apple, Spotify or Google Podcasts and subscribe, rate and leave a review.